Hi, and welcome back to Get Outside with Kids, the podcast where we are sharing tips and insights every single week to help you spend more time outside as a family. Now, this week, we had a repeat guest back on the show, one of our fan favorites, Pete Clarkson, dialing in all the way from Tofino. And Kate, I just love the stories, Pete, because he's coming at this as a parent with older kids already in their 20s. And I really love some of the insights he was able to share with us today. We're talking about all kinds of things with Pete. We're talking about adventures in the backcountry. We're talking about beach combing, art, risk. And our favorite thing about Pete is that because his kids are now in their 20s, he's got such great perspective on parenting. And we know that you're all going to take so many amazing things from his stories. If you go to our show notes, you can see the link to the previous episode we did with Pete, which was also full of amazing stories and full of great takeaways for you as well. Yeah. I think the one moment I really liked about Pete too, was he got a little bit emotional on the show with us today. And I think because he has that perspective of looking back, you know, and I think I already noticed how fast our kids are aging and how grown they are. But to be honest, when I think ahead to them being in their 20s, like that is going to be hard to look back and think about, oh my gosh, they are grown. We did have such amazing stuff together. And so I love that Pete really shared with us some of that vulnerability about the amazing stories he has and, and what it feels like to look back on them. We're so excited to have Pete Clarkson back on the podcast. Welcome back, Pete. It's great to have you here. Woohoo! Yes, thank you for <laughs> having me. And it is a total pleasure to be back. So, Pete, I wanted to let you know that a lot of people contacted us after hearing your episode. Um, and hopefully they contacted you too, because it sounds like you heard from some others that they just loved the stories you were sh sharing. If you haven't listened in to Pete's first episode with us, we'll drop the links into the show notes so you can go back and hear some of the fun stories that Pete was sharing with us, fun, crazy stories of, uh, you know, working in the park system, both in Alberta and BC, and bringing up kids as well um, through these in these beautiful places and where you're now based in Tofino as well. Lots of great stories from Tofino. So highly recommend going back and listening to our first episode with you, Pete. And we wanted to kind of pick up where we left off with some aspects of that episode because some of, there was so much we could talk about today. But one of the things that we uh, didn't touch on a lot in our last episode was actually something that you have become famous for as an artist, and that's beachcombing. And we wanted to talk to you today about how do you get into beachcombing? How do you do it with your kids? And how could some people sort of uh, pursue this hobby, maybe on a, a beach holiday, and help their kids kind of get into it? Well, yes, you've touched on, uh, you know, a true passion of uh, of my life and is beachcombing. And um, I got it from my mom. I have to I have to acknowledge my my dear mom, who's still alive at ninety three. And she was a very passionate beachcomber, is a very passionate beachcomber. And uh, so on our summer holidays uh, out to the west, uh, the east coast and Bay of Funday, we would go beachcombing. So I always had that in me. And, uh, you know, I think beachcombing, I've often felt beachcombing is something, it's, it's a, it's a, it speaks to that human condition about it's the same buzz that you get when you go, you know, thrift shopping or hitting an antique store or a garage sale, <laughs> you know, it's like that sense of, Oh my God, what can I discover today? And um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing. So I love it from that perspective and, and uh, spent to, you know, oh God, God, countless, countless hours uh, hiking the shorelines and, and, uh, <laughs> bringing all those things home but um 
uh, and doing it with the kids and as a great kid activity, absolutely super fun and uh, brings out all the elements of, you know, being outdoors, doing something together, having a bit of a purpose and, and you know, everybody can do their own gig. Everybody has a different perspective that they see kids focus on that hyper small stuff that, you know, you, you know, you don't see as an adult and uh, lots of fun to do together. Tofino is a great area, the West coast of BC, amazing areas. And, you know, the art is a whole other part of that. And, and um, again, you know, another passion and, and uh, has given me great joy over, over uh, the last 25 years, but we're talking about picking up, collecting, making art from marine debris. So it's a terrible pollution problem. And of course, you know, we all know about plastic pollution in the ocean, Kate and I, and Jen, we all met doing these shoreline cleanups years ago. Um, it's it, you know it's also that so there's that, that whole environmental connection and and um as a family as a, a you know with the kids and that you know we had a lot of conversations about environmentalism and and uh, uh consumerism you know disposable items and and you know resource management and and the decisions we have to make as uh consumers and the endless needs and desires and you know how that stuff ends up in the ocean so you know it's a really good segue for all of that um in a, in a fun positive way you know activity mm-hmm. so it, it kind of checks all those boxes off so i mean jen and i like you said we've been out on on these remote cleanups with you i've been on a few of them with you i've also been to some pretty remote places like Haida Gwaii, some very remote beaches there so i think jen and i have a good idea of the kinds of crazy things that can show up on shorelines but i think most people when they think about this would be like oh like what are we talking about here like plastic a plastic bottle what's interesting about that how are you going to make art out of that and i know that's not true you know that's not true but could you tell us about some of those weird things you find and uh what you've learnt about about the ocean maybe from from the kind of weird things that turn up on the beaches around Tofino. Yes. As always, Kate, you have so many great questions. Um, <laughs> Just questions, love- no answers from me. <laughs> <laughs> we all got to specialize in something. Eh? Um, it's always interesting uh, to think that you know like what what's the most interesting thing you find I, I don't really have a favorite or anything but um you know every piece there's so much to learn I always uh, realized very early on there's so much to learn from the garbage uh the debris um it teaches you you know connectivity in the ocean and so you know the stuff we see sit for example in on uh, west coast here you know, comes from anywhere in the Pacific uh, through the currents. And so, you know, illustrates some of those connectivity things. It illustrates, you know, the uh, in the materials themselves. So how long, you know, things like plastic uh, survives and, and uh, how it breaks down. I, I find that really fascinating. You know, and all the things we hear about plastic are so true that, I mean, it lasts forever and ever. One of the great things about it, you know, and one of the worst things about it is it lasts forever. And so, um, you know, you can see that firsthand and you learn those things, especially, you know, over the time now that I've been doing it for, for long enough to see those trends and, and to see the longevity. And I've, you know, made it part of my passion is to kind of learn about the material. So, you know, we're, 
everything from what the heck is it to where the heck's it from <laughs> and uh so um <clears throat> you know it's a, it's kind of a it's a neat sideline of of beachcombing and finding those things is to, to learn about them and and uh you know with the internet and with the big network that you know of people that are doing the same thing it's uh you know I've, I've accumulated that over the years and um so it's really interesting to see you can see decipher a lot of these things so you know like now i see objects and you know they're really degraded for example but i can i go oh yeah i know i know where that i know where that came from and i know when that entered into the ocean you know and things like you know especially with container spills it's a huge mm -hmm. problem we, we don't know a lot about it because the the shipping industry is very secretive and they don't uh, share a lot of this information and and they they kind of are governmentless because they're on international waters and no government um has really good control or information on the on that industry um and uh, so they lose a lot of containers every year um off of those big massive ships uh and in, in storms and stuff and those uh containers spill into the ocean and and mostly eventually break open and the contents uh you know end up in and um in the ocean and and uh, spreading around and so some of the the examples of those things uh, that have happened uh you know for example there was there was like a, a, a spill of hockey equipment back in uh, the mid 90s um off of hawaii and uh, i found one so of those gloves there you go <laughs> Probably. Do you still, still find them or are they broken down? They must be sort of the, pretty disintegrated yes, by now. Yes and no, because, you know, as what happens to these um, objects, when they do get washed ashore, um, you know, they get battered about and, and into the logs and, and um, you know, over years and over storm cycles, um, eventually they kind of get buried in the back, mm -hmm. very back shore and uh, accumulated moss grows on them, uh, you know, detritus uh, grows in. And um, so once they get into that uh, substrate in the back shore, they, they kind of, it's a kind of a stable environment. And uh, so, you know, it's, uh, you when we're digging around doing shoreline cleanups and, and you've come across some of these buried objects, you know, it's like they, they entered the ocean yesterday. And mm -hmm. a good, a really good example of that, a few years ago, we found at the time the oldest message in a bottle ever. Guinness World Record, the oldest message in a bottle. And it was just uh, in Pacific Rim National Security, just uh, off of Long Beach uh, on Schooner Cove. And uh, what did it say? It, it, so what uh, was the I, message? I, I, I'm, you know, and I'm starting to, I shouldn't have mentioned it because I, I hadn't thought about this for a while, but you just served probably a love letter on. between two strangers it, on either side was, of the globe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gosh, it was a treasure some, map. Was, Tell me it was a treasure map. I, I, yeah. think, I think it was a, it was a note from a, a son to his mom. And he was on uh, a uh, ship, you know, like at the time, like a, a cruise ship, but, you know, kind of was moving people around from San Francisco up to Seattle and uh, tossed it off somewhere up there. And um, it just basically, and we knew that because they actually had the, you know, the letterhead of the ship that, that he was on and stuff. So, you know, must have gone up the coast who knows could have gone around the ocean a few times anyways it ended up on in the sand dunes up in 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 uh, schooner cove and so it must have gone up there in this big 
swell, you know, and got pushed way back because sometimes these things do, they kind of get launched, you know, mm. if, if you get a high, high tide with big, big waves, these light objects, balls and glass balls, bottles uh, get launched by the waves into the back shore and survive. And this one ended up there, got covered in sand. And then the sand dune formation changed and got totally buried. And they were in there doing, uh, the park was in doing some uh, invasive species uh, removal. And um, they had actually a little bulldozer in there moving, uh, taking out the old the dune grass, the uh, invasive dune grass. So they dug up this bottle and uh, this beachcomber, luckily this beachcomber was saw, the excavator saw the bottle I, just after it got turned up and went right to it and picked it up and realized it was a message in there. And so the cool. top, it was really cool. He didn't even open it. It was so cool. He didn't even open it. He was so concerned that it's like, because the bottle top was so encrusted. And he said, I don't want to touch this. I'm going to take it back and figure it out. And did. And eventually they got it to open and read it. And it was uh, over 100 years old. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. My kids came to your workshop. Uh, last year um and the thing that really stands out about the sort of stuff that you that you find on beaches is that plastic that's very bright and colorful and you know there was a container spill of those bath toys which are literally designed to float on a bath and they float in the ocean very well like you say so you find a lot of those uh, like little rubber duckies of various colors you can tell how degraded it is from the color of of its uh, the ducky, I guess. <laughs> but can you tell us? So I think one of the things that I love about your art is that you are able to take what is a big, serious environmental issue and turn it into something that's more fun and playful. And I think that's so great for our kids to learn as well, you know, to be able to take something and um, and make something else out of it. Mm-hmm. Was this something that you got into with your kids, helping them to kind of create art out of things that they found? Yeah, you know, I, I, I we did a lot of fun. The kids all were involved, and in, and from the beachcombing to the collecting, and 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 in in the art, they all shared in that, and and um, we had a lot of fun together doing it. It, it was and it is a really kid friendly activity uh, using that material, and and um, you know, it just I don't know. There was something about it that just uh, well, first off, you know, kids are naturally i think people are naturally creative i mean you know we all are born with a creative uh element you know part of our part of our dna and you know it only makes sense you know we're probably going back far enough being creative was a survival tool you know like um and and adapting and and uh seeing things in different ways and you know it comes out now you know through things like making art and uh kids i think people have that and over time you know we're, we're often lose it in a way because you know it's it's a, it's, a it. it's not it's <laughs> not encouraged for there's so many reasons i think about it a lot you know people you get sensitive you don't want to show that side of your personality or whatever you know or you just lose that confidence um or you lose the drive you know it, all of the above and so anyways, having working with kids and, and doing art, you see that. You see how, you know, any, any parent, you know, you know, the kids just have that natural expression and, and ability to express themselves without, uh, you know, a lot of rules or narrative or anything. You know, they just, they'll do it and they'll see it and and uh, have fun doing it. So, I, you know, that that's something that was really good to, you know, 
explore with my kids and, and be, get them involved is a great medium for that because, you know, the stuff I have, you know, it's endless, sadly, <laughs> endless amount of materials Yay. out there. But <laughs> there is. So, you, you know, if it doesn't work, it's, it's still something you cleaned off the beach, you know, and, and got rid of. So, uh, but you know, you can be, you can break it, you can cut it, you can nail it, you can screw it, you can glue it, you know, and, uh, and it's no problem. Uh, all, all of the above. So, uh, you know, they like that. And, and for me, yeah, it was able, you know, like I like working with tools and things too. So the kids, you know, how getting them to be able to use tools is, is kind of cool. So exploring that together and just, you know, basically, uh, you know, the, the materials, material itself sort of drives the art. You know, I, I get my ideas when I see something and look at it. And that's very much the way, you know, I think kids work too. And mm -hmm. sometimes I wonder if that, you know, for me, is just basically letting your inner kid out when you make art. It's, you know, <laughs> my kids wanted to use your power tools in your workshop, Pete. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> So, Pete, I think this is a really great, uh, you know, opportunity to segue into really your your larger upbringing with your three kids. Because for most of your, you know, career life, you were working in the park system as a park warden, park ranger, and your kids went along with you. You know, your kids weren't off living in the city while you were uh, working in parks. They were right where there with you on many of these locations, having you know a really cool opportunity to experience our park system firsthand. So. Maybe touch on a little bit of that. Like, what were some of the highlights of being able to bring you know your kids into that kind of outdoor learning from such a young age? Oh, I have to pause a minute, Jen, and and uh, shed a little tear because uh, you know what what uh, you know what you're saying and what we're talking about is is so so dear to my heart. Yeah, it is that it was a great great experience uh, to to have with your family, you know, and your kids. Unbelievable and. Uh, you know, I get emotional because, you know, those days are gone. I don't think they'll ever return for, you know, that opportunity, not not for myself, but for anyone. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, that lifestyle is gone, you know. And uh, anyways, shouldn't start start off that way, but. Uh, no, it's, it's good. Okay. It's okay. I mean, it shows what a powerful thing it is to be able to give your kids these experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah, we had so, so incredible, really, and and um, uh, you know, I was just at the tail end of that in 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 my uh, career. In we're talking about you know in the eighties and nineties and in and uh, early two thousands, and um, yeah, it was phenomenal. It was a, you know it was a lifestyle really because uh, you, you know we were stationed often in remote areas and and uh, even in Jasper, you know we were stationed down near the uh, Columbia ice fields. You know, it was an hour drive from from uh, town, and uh, you know your your spouse was uh, you know a big part of it. Kids were there, uh, you know, very independent lifestyle, and um, you know all the sacrifices your spouse would make, you know, for having their career, you know, on hold and, uh, you know, being available while, you know, uh, you, you know, I was out working or training or doing backcountry patrols, you know, um, getting called out on, on, uh, family events and holidays for emergencies and, uh, you know, it was just one of those things that was the job and, and we all signed up on it together. And, you know, if you, if uh, you were lucky enough to share it with a spouse, it was, uh, it was even better. You know, we, we called them silent partners because that was really, you know, what it was all about. And uh, 
they had to be there to be successful and, and mm-hmm. to be happy. And uh, so I had that, but um, oh, we had so much fun. Oh my God, what a lifestyle we got to to experience because of that. Uh, everything from, oh, you know, the wildlife. I mean, it was just a daily part of your life that uh, a wildlife one way or the other, either stuff was happening around you or you were, I was bringing home, you know, injured birds or uh we would go out and uh you know i had a bear problem and i'd bring the kid along one of the kids along with me for <laughs> my backup <laughs> was, you hold the like, gun kid <laughs> <laughs> you man the radio sam uh no it's kind of funny i'm exaggerating a little bit but it was it was uh, that it really was like that uh you know in in so many ways um Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about uh, I had this injured owl that somebody brought into this this the house and and uh, and would, they'd hit it with the vehicle or hit the vehicle actually, and then they, it but it was they thought it was dead and anyways I took it and then it was actually stunned and it, it was alive. So now we had this big great horned <laughs> owl in the house. Oh my gosh! I was. Uh, so much so much every day was kind of an adventure you know you just never knew what you're gonna what you were gonna be dealing with and um so the families was part of that and we uh you know we got i you know pushed all the push pushed it as far as i go we'd always you know letting them use some of the gear and showing them the gear and you can take them out to the firing range and use the 22s and uh you know our bear scare guns okay let's go out. we're gonna shoot that off today and uh uh practicing with the climbing gear and um oh my god the scuba i was we did the scuba program so i'd have my little small uh rescue uh uh scuba tank and, and we'd do that in the bathtub with the kids you know? <laughs> so i can you see why this you, is a cool lifestyle yes you can't buy that kind of stuff it was uh <laughs> you know so uh we had a lot every day we did cool stuff and then we got to go to the back country together um and you know like once the kids were big enough you know we could put them on a horse and and um they had their own horse and we could go into the back country and so uh oh my gosh you know do they I, remember I know, these you know, things now pete do they remember those kind of activities in jasper oh my god yeah yes we because we went back and we did some trips together and yeah. um uh, i can remember one of the uh, i know what you do we went to uh, uh, got flown in that the, the helicopter was there because uh, they were fighting fires and it was available anyways we got flown into this cabin uh one of my favorite spots uh, in the world there and um and uh just me and the three kids and then uh, we hiked out and uh so we were hiking out and uh you know it was 20k pretty pretty at that time it was the biggest hike we'd done together and, you know we were always pretty anxious Every, all the kids had their own bear spray and uh, mm-hmm. you know a knife on their belts and so we were prepped for bear and uh of course and we hadn't seen up to that point and of course you know we run into a grizzly bear finally as we're on the trail and we were just it was a perfect spot because we we're kind of sitting on by this creek uh and just watching and the bear came ambling down the trail right behind where we had just come and it was on the other side of the bridge from the creek but close enough and my one son there he's jazz he saw it first and, and he launches a grizzly bear grizzly bear grizzly bear <laughs> <laughs> that grizzly bear took off so fast <laughs> but well, we all had a good sighting so the kids were pretty amped up about that i'll tell you 
Yeah. They all had their little knives ready anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. They were prepared. Oh, yeah. I think it's so, hilarious to think of what parenting, you know, sometimes Jen and I hear all this stuff about risky, risky play for kids and allowing them to experience risk. And, you know, sometimes that's really manufactured. Like people are like, oh, I let my kid climb up a little higher, but I was right there. It's, that's risky play. It's good for them. I'm like, no, I think what Pete's describing is risky play, Jen, right? <laughs> yeah, just give them a knife and a grizzly bear. You know, that's the new level. Of that's risky play. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Oh, we trained on it. We trained on it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Real life situation, oh, I love real it. consequences. Oh, yeah. No, it's a good point. And I, I get what you're saying, too. Uh, believe me. And, and, uh, uh, you know, ultimately for, for me, you know, it was a safety issue. And, and so the best preparation was to you know have the kids prepared and not protect totally. them to the point you know where they were in that environment they didn't know what kind of their own limits or bounds mm -hmm. or uh, skills really um so um you know i took that approach even when we were doing something as simple as beachcombing and letting them you know yeah. hike on the logs by themselves and go explore you know we would go through it together i had a little training that we would do and, and practice <laughs> and then you know give them some feedback let them go and um you know it was good I, but i did notice that we go out with other parents and it was always fun because it was was the crazy clarkson kids you know and <laughs> i really had so any control I read something the other day that said like 12 year old kids these days have the same amount of freedom as like a six year old did a few decades ago, you know? So I think that's a really great mindset for us to keep in mind is like exposing our kids to real risks and being okay with it, that that's how they learn and how they develop their judgment. So <laughs> not sure about taking them, you know, out with rifles, but that's an idea. That's an idea. <laughs> Different for everyone. Um, you know, yeah. Pete, on on kind of that training aspect, because you touched with us earlier on the call about some of the training programs that you implemented, um, you know, where you live now in Tofino, because training, and, you know, education is such a huge part of what you've done. Um, and one of those part, uh, one of those programs is about water safety, the Coast Smart program. Um, and I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about water safety, and you know, why did you pick water safety as the focus, um, and what are some of those core elements? I mean, we're talking about risky play. But what are the real risks with water? Like, where can we be a little bit relaxed as parents, but where can we absolutely not be relaxed as parents when it comes to that kind of water safety element? Beautiful. Yeah. It, it, it's so perfect, Jen, uh, you know, leading from that last conversation, because that is ex exactly this sort of along the same lines are about, uh, you know, teaching the kids water safety because we're around the ocean environment. And, and uh, you know, for us, it was the ocean, not so much lakes or rivers, but uh, you know, anywhere around water is just same thing. You know, if uh, uh, they're going to be there, you know, you want them to know their own bounds and, you know, try and have their own, uh, you know, skill sets to recognize hazards and, and uh, what to do if something went wrong, you know, so couldn't have been more apparent, couldn't be more apparent than uh, living out here on the, uh, the West coast of Vancouver and around the Tofino area with all the beaches and long beach and, seeing you know people coming visiting here uh with their families and and uh going out to explore the the shorelines <laughs> being totally unprepared mentally uh mm -hmm. physically whatever for uh you know the hazards that they were walking right on the edge of i mean the boundary between you know 
a sunny, safe walk on the beach and uh, drowning in the, the ocean is like such a fine line. And um, people didn't realize how, how close to the edge they were walking without real, you know, without knowing what the, you know, the potential for problems to quickly uh, evolve and, um, and go from, you know, paradise to disaster. So, um i saw it every day you know uh working working here and um i was very involved in it and from a rescue standpoint from a prevention standpoint and you know over the years you've got more and more popular things like storm watching things like surfing um coming out to the the wild west coast you know uh really popular growing growing and and uh people uh you know we were not staying ahead of the game in terms of uh, making them aware of what the hazards were and what they should be doing and what was safe or not safe. And so we, you know, of course, you know, we put out more and more signs basically. Right. And it was like, they were less and less effective. So it was uh, <laughs> so, only so many signs, you know, you could put out there, but uh, it was like, no, we got to do something better than this. And, and, uh you know there wasn't a lot out there at the time and and still isn't really in, in Canada we're kind of far behind really in terms of some of the those programs like Australia for example Kate uh you know was uh, the world leader in Hawaii and uh you know in terms of prevention and and uh awareness and so we looked at a lot of those programs I luckily I applied for and got a, a pretty significant grant from um the federal government to as a pilot program to look at coastal safety um and how we could do better in canada so we uh we worked with the you know uh the community so we needed to do it from a regional basis that was the first thing couldn't just be come to long beach and we're gonna you know make you aware of how what to do so you know when you're in tofino or you you know you could be in any beach not just in the national park so we worked with the communities and they came on board recognizing that too, uh, that they could do better. So we put it on that scale and um, came up with, you know, a whole bunch of prevention programs. I mean, one of the key things you have to, you know, you want to have a consistent message and you want to, uh, you know, do it in a way that connects at a, at a lot of different uh, ways. Everybody learns and, and remembers things in different ways. So, trying to do it from that standpoint, thinking about the whole trip. So from beginning before you even get there, you want to start, you know, implanting information. You don't want to start telling people about ocean safety the minute they hit the beautiful beach. It's kind of not the time to learn a lesson. Um, so we have to, uh, we recognize that. So we put a lot of different stuff together and uh, had little quizzes that you could do for the kids and uh, make games out in videos and online. And uh, uh, then of course, some signage, but it, you know, it's signage that was very <laughs> pointed and at the right place at the right time. And um, so all those things, so that, that program is called CoSmart and it's in, it's in, in, been underway here almost 10 years, maybe now or so on the West coast. And, uh, uh been very successful i think you know certainly you know um it's it's held it's, it's aged well people are you know much more aware we've got you know all the different coastal ambassadors so we the surf shops are involved and you know we're recommending you know people 
becoming surfing, take a surf lesson, right? Mm-hmm. First, first safety, you know, they'll teach you, they'll get you out of the right gear. They'll talk mm-hmm. about rip currents. They'll talk about places that you don't want to go. They'll tell you the times you don't want to go out. So, so, you know, and right down to servers and the restaurant. So the, mm-hmm. you know, they, cause it was crazy. People would come here, you know, the worst case was we're storm watching. They would come here for storms and be, you know, you would get to Tofino, you go to the hotel, everybody's excited. Oh, big storm. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Well, where do you go? Oh, I don't know. Just go out of the beach. Oh, <laughs> so the last place you want to be is like, you know, go down to the highway and stand in the freeway and watch the cars go by. It's, uh, it was scary. So, uh, you know, the huge need for that, a huge danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're particularly vulnerable with kids because you can't react fast enough and mm-hmm. uh, they get overwhelmed so easily and and you know things like you know you're down on the beach and uh you know your kid might be standing you know knee deep in water so you know what's the hazard what's the concern well then this big swell one set comes in every half an hour or something and suddenly you know the kid's overwhelmed and swept back out and in a rip current and be so fast out into the deep water um that you know you turn your back and 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 they're gone so yeah yeah. if you listen to pete's first episode with us you will have heard a story that (laughs) (laughs) that will actually bring this this example to life for you um and pete i think it's so necessary it's so great to hear of all those places you know and all those interventions to be able to to help people be safer when they're visiting the beach there um and i'm sure it's had repercussions and and prevented incidents for so many others so that what a a great legacy Mm. you know to, to kind of round out here we've talked about you know this this amazing upbringing you have with your kids and the the kind of risks that you were able to introduce them to in a in a supervised way and how you've taken all that knowledge and applied it to you know improve safety in parks looking forward what are you excited about next what what's next for you and, and what's an exciting project coming up for you well i'm looking forward to our next podcast already <laughs> <laughs> if you have a question for pete let uh, us know on instagram yes. we'll ask it for you <laughs> awesome. Well, I love what I'm doing now. I, I did retire from the, the warden service, but I work with an organization called Coastal Restoration Society, and I uh, primarily coordinate their health and safety program for our staff. And um, so it's bringing a lot of my life experiences uh, mm-hmm. to bear, which is just awesome. I feel like, you know, I still still got something to offer. And, um, uh, you know, I like that work. I like you know, sharing that knowledge and and getting people, you know, excited and prepared to be working in, you know, along coastlines and remote areas. And uh, we do a lot of work with Indigenous uh, community members, which I find really rewarding too. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, training people, uh, skill building, uh, you know, for all the, uh, the outdoor skills and mm-hmm. for doing, uh, doing what the work we do, which is like shoreline cleanups and, uh, you know, derelict vessel removal. And so it's fun. We're, we're fun. It's uh, contributing to, uh, you know, making, making the environment, a, you know, improving the environment and, and working with people and training uh, mm-hmm. people and, and uh, getting to work in their own territories. It's, it's uh, you know, an awesome experience. Uh, so I'm, I'm again, so uh, fortunate, uh, you know, my life has moved me in this direction and uh, yeah. Yeah. Um- 
on the family side, any sign of grandkids? I don't think like the next phase of, of your grandparent, like as a grandparent. Whoa, what's crazy yes. Grandpa Pete going to get up to? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think my kids would be the first to say none of us prepare, prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> so... Yes, we'll see. Uh, awesome. Yeah, life goes on, and um, you know, so uh, yeah, very, very exciting. Like it's, it's amazing. This is another stage in in my life that uh, you know reminds me a lot. Actually, you, you know, the teenager again, where you kind of go, "Oh, what am I going to do now? You know, what am I going to do next? I don't know. There's so many things we could do." So, this is a pretty cool spot to be. Awesome. We've loved everything that you've shared with us today, Pete. I love every time you're on the podcast. I just feel like. I'm so jealous of this amazing, cool life. And maybe jealous is the right word, but how do we emulate more of that for our own life? You know, I'm not sure we're taking our kids out with rifles in the backcountry quite yet, <laughs> but I think there are more bigger adventures. I'm like, I want to go live in a cabin in the woods for like a year with our kids. Like, I know, I know, Kate, I know your spouse would be totally on board with that idea. Oh, you know that too, uh, Kate. Vince would be all over this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know. Oh, so thank you for sharing those wonderful memories with us. It's always so great to have you on the podcast. Um, as always, if you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please hit subscribe so you can get updated weekly as we do release new episodes every Wednesday night. Um, and also for more tales from Pete and our other guests, get our sound clips, sound clips and tips and advice over on our Instagram channel at Get Outside With Kids. And we'll be back next week with more amazing adventures and stories to inspire you to get outside.